the podcast very few have asked for. The place where you'll get the truth, if you can stay awake long enough. Yes, you've got it. It's Snag Says. Yes, thank you, Eric. Very, very kind of you to come in every week and do that for me. Greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Uh, Snag Says Podcast 3. Still here. American election over and done with. We'll touch on that. And we've got a snag bullet this uh, this time around, so I look forward to that. And of course, my uh, first week having a guest. Now, my guest this week is a man called Paul Newbold. Won't mean a lot to you. Old friend of mine. Done a lot of things, Paul. Great lacrosse player. Travelled the world on a uh, motorcycle. Uh, got a story or two to tell. He was very nervous. He didn't need to be. It's uh, it's only Snag says, and there's only a couple of hundred of us. Elite, white elites. Uh, we've got some homosexuals. We've got some blacks, I believe. We've got some uh, Hispanics. We've got uh, bisexuals. We've got gender inquisitive. We've got fat, skinny, tall, bald, uh, men with large penises, uh, women with uh, uh, ample breast, big bottom, small bottom. Uh, our shoe uh, range goes from 1 to 16. Uh, and we have one Zoe and two Bills. So that's just a little demographic uh, overlay for you and uh, yes Paul Newbold great friend of mine uh, election well it seems that uh, the Donald has got him got himself over the line and into the White House um, tapped into the disenfranchisement disenfranchisement is that its word isn't it of 70% uh, of the uh, white, non-university-educated folk, who, which decided they, uh, they'd had enough of the old paradigm, the Republican-Democrat uh, paradigm, which I totally understand they weren't being listened to. The fact that they could wheel out basically a, a complete and utter Neanderthal nitwit and... Uh, he uh, captured their imagination, tells you where the, you know, how desperate they were. So Don's got the job. We accept the umpire's decision. He doesn't give a fat rat's ass what I do. I'm just glad I haven't got any pussy uh, anywhere near him because he grabs them. And because he's a star, they they just let you. So uh, oh, my cats are safe here. Uh, on the west coast of Victoria, away from uh, the Donald. So good luck, Donald. Um, I'm sure Michelle Obama will uh, show um, your Russian, uh, Slovenian, Slovakian... Uh, what? What did I do? What? Uh, yeah, I get... Yeah, I Race shouldn't come into it. Good point. Sorry, everybody. Calm down. 
Uh, doesn't matter where she's from. She's, uh, I don't know a lot about her, do you? Um, she She's clearly an attractive uh, woman. She's clearly his wife, which shows she uh, she lacks judgment in certain areas. But that's all I could say. And if she can cope with him, she can cope with anything. Um, I don't know whether he grabs her on the pussy. Uh, I imagine he probably does because that seems to be uh, what you do. And, uh, you know, people can walk around a little bit confused now as to whether that's good or bad, you know. I think maybe a week ago we all knew it was bad. Um, hopefully, uh, no, it's still bad. Still bad where I live. So good on you, Don. Got the gig. Uh, uh, well deserved, yes. Well done, uh, Donald. Now, time for... Yep, that's it. Snag bullet. Now, this is an odd one for me because it's going to a young Miley Cyrus. Now, you may think I'm anti-Miley. I'm not anti-Miley. I mean, how can you be anti a girl who wears gaffer tape covering her uh, ladies' areas? Um, you, you know, there might be a slight pop out now and then, but generally it's uh, pretty well ensconced under the cellar uh, tape, and we don't get uh, too uh, too intimate with it, um, and. Who'll ever forget her being uh, rogered, uh, simulated rogering by uh, some type of inflatable animal at a uh, award ceremony. I mean, that's what I want to see. But she does speak for a generation, and I'll give her credit for uh, breaking out and... Uh, just been a bit different. She is a bit different. So I'll give her that. All right, Miley. Keep the seller tape. You might be able to auction some of that off at eBay. She is. Used Miley Cyrus seller tape. You. Uh, moving on from that. Uh, yes, uh, Miley. So Miley, the thing that annoyed me with Miley, Miley got onto the YouTube uh, and... Uh, burst into tears about the loss of uh, Hillary Clinton, which was uh, a shame. And it was heartfelt and angsty, very teary. And I thought, yeah, that's three days on coke, that probably. Very emotional. And uh, Miley, it's, uh, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, she wasn't the saviour. And... Um, you know, stick to being rogered, uh, simulated fashion, on uh, on awards shows. So there you go, uh, and uh, that's thank you, and uh, thanks for listening. I'll have a bit of a chat to you subsequent of uh, our discussion with Paul. Alrighty. Thanks, um, today I've got young Paul in and uh, Paul and I were just uh, having a little bit of a chat off air in regard to um, 67 being the new, what, 47? The new 47, yes. Now, uh, as we were talking about, um, 
uh, when, when I was a kid, um, you're not a good judge as a kid anyway because someone that's 40 looks, they're, they're fucked and old and had the gone at 40, aren't they? You don't know how old they are. They're just... Older than you are. They're older than you are and they're grown-ups. But there's no two ways that people now are doing things into their older age um, that would never have been considered when we were kids. And uh, one of those things, um, interestingly, is that you recently uh, travelled across Russia on a motorcycle. Yep. With uh, In the company of three others. Three other guys, a father and son combination, and uh, Dave Morley. Dave Morley, well-known friend of ours. Are we going to be rude about Dave? Or will no. We, will we, we won't be rude yet? No, no, Dave's fine. Dave's all right? Dave's all right. I can't get you to... No. Expand? No. Um, so how did the whole idea come about, and what and what did you do? It came about. I'd bought an old XT six hundred uh, bike, an 80, 83 Tenere, with the view of rebuilding it. And of course, you need to do a ride if you've got a bike like that. And over a a red wine lunch, too many red wines. How many would you say? Eight. A lot of red wines. A lot of red wines. Yeah. Best ideas come up there. They do, they do. And it, um, it came up that we could ride uh, east, uh, west to east, um, start off in... West to east in Russia? No, west to east in that group of continents, starting in... Um, we were going to start from England and ride to Vladivostok. Um, after a lot of planning, it was worked out that we'd go from Athens because we'd ridden through that western part of Europe a couple of times. To sort of start where you know kind of thing? Well, start where we don't have to backtrack for countries that we'd seen before. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, it took 18 months, two years in the planning. I had to rebuild the bike. Um, whether that was a good idea or not, I'm still not sure on. You were going to do that anyway, though, weren't I was going to rebuild the bike, but whether it was a good bike to ride that far, we did, um, I think it was 22,000 kilometres all up, oh. and... Um, on a bike that was that old. So what year was it again? 83. 83. And what nick was it in when you got it? Oh, it was just a bare chassis, a couple of wheels and a stuffed engine. So, so she's pretty, the oh, whole job needed to be done. The whole job. And it was done. I put a lot of effort into it. Um, as you do. As I do. Um, very anal sort of like Very anal. Very anal. It, very anal. So um, the other guys, two of them rode DR650s brand new or close to new and the other guy had a BMW. Really going with the new it is a bit soft, but that's that's that was Morley. That's by the vibe, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Morley's a bit like that. Um, if you can buy it, why make it? Sort of thing. Look, they probably. It was better for them. My bike. My bike. <laughs> better for everybody, I think. My bike. Um, not that it let me down. We had a few incidents, but um, the luggage carrying capacity of my bike wasn't as good as theirs, and it was such that. Um, I had so much luggage and spare tyres jammed on behind me that um, you know, standing up on the pegs during rough stages was not a possibility because if I if I stood up, I couldn't get back down into the saddle again. It was that tight. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So that did cause me a lot of um, angst. angst and 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 offs. Yeah. Um, well, look, that's, you know, we, we've made a bit of a butt of the jokes that you fell off a few times and. <laughs> And, um, you know, certain people, Grant Rock comes up to, you know, good friend of ours, Spanner Man, uh, best bloke in the world, worst bloke in the world, tends to make a little bit of uh, sport 
of and, your falling off. And I tumble in. And, I, you, and you tumble every I, time. He doesn't have to bait the hook half the time. No. Gets me on a two-pound line every time. And you know you're doing it. I know you? I'm doing it. I've watched you do it. Yep. Paul, he's taking the piss. But out you come like a barramundi from under a, a mangrove and snap at the hook and he's got you again. But anyway, look, we, we digress. Um, uh, uh, where did you go? Where, tell me about the map first of all. Well, the map is basically um, Greece, Turkey. And Turkey's one of my favourite countries. We spent... A bit of time in Istanbul waiting for visas, so we did a bit of touring around, went down to Gallipoli and did the usual touristy things there. From there we travelled across Turkey and we got into the um, the Kurdish region, uh, the south. Tell me about that, because um, you're starting to get into some interesting areas at that point in regard to safety and stuff. It was. Well, strangely enough, uh, I got robbed while we were there, I we pulled up to check a restaurant out for lunch, and while three of us went to look at the menu or speak to the guy in the restaurant, a whole bunch of kids uh, surrounded the bikes and managed to rip my tank bag off the bike with my camera and my glasses. So you were present while this happened, or I was fifteen meters away. What, like, when you say kids, like 15 year olds or something? Anything from, from 10 to 18. And um, anyway, the uh, the police came, and that was an interesting thing because these police looked like gangsters. They had their guns stuck in the back of their jeans, just in their belt. And, what, and then Turkish? They were Turkish um, detectives. And they took me back to the police station to do a report, and that was just interesting in itself. The police station was guarded by... Uh, police with um, AK-47s at the front gates. It was a security situation because they do have a lot of issues with the Kurdish folk in that region. And I spent a couple of hours there. They managed to track down the guys that did it. I got my camera back. I got my tank bag back. Jesus, I would have thought there's no chance, wouldn't you? Yeah. Look, I was surprised. I didn't get the Leatherman or, well... A pair of sunglasses. I don't know what else was in there. The camera and stuff. The camera was important because I'd taken a lot of photos and I had uh, they were all stored on the uh, on the card. But when I got the camera back, they'd taken a couple of photos of the sky. There wasn't much else, but they'd changed the whole language for the camera mm. to Turkish. So really? I had to then try and convert the language and everything back to English mm. without knowing Turkish. So it was. Jesus. So these kids are, were savvy enough to, um, you know, convert this camera to Turkish. But um, did you? Sorry, can I interrupt? Yeah. Did you lose? Um, did you have important documents in there? No, no. So did you always think, always have your passport and money on on you? Um, Is that what you should do? The passport was just in my backpack, um, and that was generally on my back anyway. Yeah. Security didn't sort of phase us. Um, well, that was very early in the piece. It was. And, and you went to wilder places than Well, that, at, at that stage, we were quite close to the Iraqi border and we had discussed going through Iraq. Jesus. And um, Dave Morley and Peter Hickey, the father of the combination. Peter they, and Ben Hickey. Peter and Ben. But Ben and I decided to go into Iraq. Oh, really? And Peter and 
Dave decided not to. And so they followed the uh, Iraqi border within Turkey. How do you arrive at two of you don't think it's a good idea, two of you do think it's a good idea? Isn't it's two, just, isn't two of you saying it's a bad idea mean it probably is? No, I, I was fairly sure that it was going to be safe there. People... How, how could you be sure? Well, it was before the ISIS thing had fired up, not far before, not far before, not far before at all. But um, now, generally, I, I have a view that people around the world are basically good. Mm. Uh, um, if you get a bad person, that bad person could be anywhere. It could be in the state forest up in New South Wales. Yeah, true so enough, true enough. we we rode in, which was strange, because the Turkish guards, as we were leaving, just looked at us both and said, what the fucking hell are you going there for? And that put a bit of a thought up. <laughs> but um, So that had a slight effect. That had a slight effect, but we, we rode through and we had a great time there. It was at, we were only there for one night. It's like... Two days, but one night and, in between. And no drama. No drama at all. Um, no drama at all. Whereas Pete and Dave, who stayed in Turkey, uh, parked their bikes outside of a hotel where they stayed, and they had tiny little Turkish flags on their bikes that had been given to us by some by the Turkish motorcycle club in Istanbul. And when they came out in the morning, both their bikes had their tyres slashed and instruments ripped off their bikes and other vandalism. Because be- of that flag. Because of the Turkish flag in a Kurdish area. So Jesus. it was strange that we had no trouble. Yeah, and they've had, avoiding trouble, they've run into trouble. Exactly. And then we met together the following day um, in Iran. Um, we managed to find each other. Mm-hmm. So from Iran, then we went, we spent a bit of time in Iran, then went to... Um, um, Turkmenistan and then Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan. Which so were you're all, heading northeast at that point? Northeast at that point. Yep. And then we, from the top of Kazakhstan, the eastern end of Kazakhstan, we went into, into Russia, you know, Siberian part of Russia, spent a couple of days there, and then turned southwest and then went into Mongolia. Um, now tell me, when you ride into, you know, as a complete newbie, I've never, you know, I've ridden around Europe and stuff, easy stuff. We're virtually almost English speaking. So I've never been challenged like that. Oh, Vietnam was a slight challenge, but not much. Um, when you ride into a place, are you in general welcomed? Or do you get a feel, for, you take the temperature of the place of, People are happy to have me here, not have, happy to have me here. Well, how do you judge how things are travelling? We found that people generally were very friendly. Everywhere? Um, pretty well, yes. I think the friendliest people that we came across on the whole trip were Iranians. Is that right? They were just... You had to sort of fight them off because they wanted to take you home and feed you for the night and sleep at their house, which we did on one occasion. Mm. They have this belief that if you're in their country, you're their guest. It's mm. their responsibility to make sure that you you're, have a good you're, time. You're, you're right. Well, isn't that... Um, that runs very counter to uh, and the naive philosophy that if you go into a, you know, a, a, a country in that area, 
that it's people are strange, different, um, hard to get along with, the communication's not there. Well, none of those things seem to matter when you tell your stories. It's always warmth and you get past the fact that people, you can make each other understood. Oh, most speak English. It's, um, Is that right? Yes, it's... They're very well educated. The people are educated and they, they unfortunately have a chip on their shoulder, I think, because they, they get to read or see on the internet the negative comments that concern them all the time. Mm. And I was actually interviewed in, um, in a town we stayed at by their, their morning TV show because there was such a fuss when we were packing up to leave. There were so many people around that someone called the TV station. Something must be interesting here. Yeah. Yes, so I was interviewed. And then and they ended up, they did they get you? They got me. It was a bit of a... Yes, I know. You know, that Carl Stefanovic in the, in the studio would have been expecting a bit more than a bald-headed old brick from Aussie. Exactly, and, and it's funny because Dave Morley, who could talk underwater... Yes, and done a bit of telly. Yes. And fancies himself a little bit. He went missing. Oh, did he? He was... Couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. I, I have a feeling he was afraid that um, the US using facial recognition may have tracked him down and stopped him ever going to the US again. I think that had a, a bit to do with it. Is that right? He was gone. He was gone. Trapdoor. Yep, exactly. So you were on national... Well, local television. Local television. Yes. And uh, what did they want to know? In, in Mahaba. 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 Where are, where are we again? Iran, Iran? Iran, just outside, just after we'd crossed in from Iraq. Okay. So um, Now, you're starting to bore me a little bit, so we'll yep. move on a yeah. bit. But that trip, how long were you gone for? Three months. 22,000 kilometres. Yes. I want in uh, in 100 words or less, your highlight, your high, or your couple of highlights from such an epic thing to do. One of the highlights was following the, the silk trail, the Silk Road. Uh, we stayed at some ancient um, caravanserais, which is the, the caravan stops that they used to use hundreds of years ago. So what would you find there? What's there when you... Oh, they just... It's the architecture. It's the architecture. It's, it's that really sandy-looking architecture with the wooden lattice work, mm. fantastic tiles. Um, the mosques in those towns were just fantastic. Mm. Uh, we stayed in a um, mud-walled city at one stage and that was just just about a walk through these dusty laneways yeah, yeah. and feel like it uh, it may have been hundreds of years ago through time exactly yeah it'd be fantastic and i imagine just walking around everywhere you go is so different and yes interesting just a walk anywhere is hmm. interesting i guess that's the essence of travel isn't it but, uh, to some extent but and um food what how do you go about you eat the local what eat the local food on? you had to yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess. There was certainly no Maccas anywhere. You're not going to pick up a, uh, uh, some fries and a bloody shake, eh? Hey? No, we, we did get sick of, you know, meat on a stick is what we used to call it. Did you, um, didn't ask questions about the meat all the time? No, a lot was goat. Goat's good. Goat's good eating. Lamb's good. Yeah. Um, no, the food was... Horse? Look, I don't, we probably ate everything. Yeah. Um, and drank things. Um, some of the milk we drank in Mongolia... Fermented milk stuff. Fermented milk, um, milky tea, either made of, well, camel, horse. We don't know what milk it was, but some had a real strong urine flavour to it. Urine? Yeah, it sort of had that it's smell. It's not a highlight, is it? It's yeah. not a highlight, no. no it's, it's probably 
uh, probably do without the urine. Look, I imagine that you uh, you get a bit of a gut for it. Like you got that you got to eat, you got to drink, and you and you go with it. Yeah, we we all had a, a turn at being sick, um, having the the trots or whatever. Yes. Yeah, but now that's that's the other thing we've done that whole. Uh, what, I, I like I like getting down to the squirt stuff because that's where the good stories are. But um, four blokes, you know. Yep. Um, now Dave is a friend of mine and yours has been for a long time. And all jokes aside, great bloke, love him to death. Um, uh, probably fairly alpha. He's no, he's I wouldn't say um, Dave is without an opinion. Uh, yourself, who uh, again a very nice bloke, probably a little bit meticulous. You like things just so. I haven't travelled through Vietnam with you. Nothing wrong with that. You like you're, you're an organised person. Uh, and then you got uh, Pete, who's a, a farm boy uh, and probably a, a sweet bloke. Um, probably not on sale of the century. Um, um, and he's done. So you've mixed up four different types there. Now, I've always maintained if you put Jesus and Moses together for a length of time, they'll have a blue. Was there any trouble putting four different, disparate type of human beings on the road, under pressure, over that period of time? No, I don't think so. There was... Well, that's fucking boring. I was yeah, no, 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 there was... No, look, <laughs> we split up you at times. Words, no, no, no. No one listens to this. Thing. That's fine. I've got about eight people on my list. There was one time, I think it was Kyrgyzstan, where we debated about taking the high road or the low road, and both Dave and I, who have travelled together extensively, extensively, we've ridden through Syria and different places together, we decided we didn't want to hurt ourselves. Um, What, rough? Yes, rough. And Ben and his dad, Pete, they headed off with some uh, maps that had been given to them. And it was a great ride. Good luck to them. But it wasn't for you. It wasn't for us. I mean, they were falling down in riverbeds and and riding through snow, and it just wasn't for us. Yeah. Dave and I stayed to the. Well, you just make a different decision. Well, we did. No one minds, and the way you no. go. Yeah, yeah. We look. We had to get used to each other. You know, Ben being a Gen Y or whatever didn't mind a, a sleep in in the morning. Yeah. And. Whereas Dave and I are very much... Steely blokes like you and me. No. Hard as flint sort of I'm the type of guy that prefers to get up early, get the miles under your belt and take the afternoon off. I have seen you a few times and you are up early. Courtesy flush comes to mind. Courtesy flush is very important. courtesy flush to us, Paul, because people that haven't been on the road together uh, might not understand, you know, that we all think the toilet region's their own, don't we? It's a private business. But when you travel... Um, you know, you've got a courtesy flush is a very, very important part of travelling. Explain it to us, please. What is the courtesy flush? Because you you made me familiar with it when we shared well, in Vietnam. The first one in to go and do number twos in the morning. Number twos, yeah, but, we all do. Yeah, oh, you have to. It's good for Evacuate. you. Evacuate. Yep, but it's basically if you've been out and you've had strange food, too much to drink. Yeah, it can be odorous. Yes. It, yeah. So the idea. Every, let's be honest, yep. everybody's species has an aroma. Anyway, the idea is... Except mine. Oh, except yours, of course. But the idea is, after you've had your first discharge... Discharge, yeah, neat. Hit the button. Straight away. Hit the button. Get rid of it. Move it on. So it doesn't smell out That's the room. Right. Exactly. Because some people like to let that just have a bit of a think and... Yeah. 
So as soon as, oh, let me get this right, just post first splash or you, you finish? You get it all through it or do you just keep on as you go? Look, that depends on you. It really does. <laughs> That's up to yourself. It's you're up to yourself. To, you're allowed to have some freedom in that you got area. some discretion in that area. In that area yeah. Yep. And clearly you just keep getting rid of it so the room yep. doesn't smell. And yep. it's it works, doesn't it? it? It does work. Works for me. Yeah. And everybody stuck to that rule, all right? Morley's a bit difficult sometimes. Is he? Who was first to the toilet? Was there a bit of a rush in the morning sometimes? Not really No. Not really not. important. No. Whoever you did along well, didn't you? We did. There was no like no. not jamming into the door trying to get there first or No. Very civil. I, I'm I'm surprised by that. And look, would you you've told us your highlight, you've told us a story about shitting, which you know, so far I've enjoyed it. What was the what would you say was the low light of the trip? If there was a low light. The low light for me was and you know, Groff has probably discussed this with you several times. That's Grant Roth, Spanner Man, friend of ours yep. for, for listeners. Uh, Mongolia, uh, which is just one big sand pit. Is it? Um, I was not a good dirt rider, never was. I was a road rider. And after a couple of days, four days in Mongolia, I was just getting heartfully sick of falling over. And Corrugated potholes. Corrugated potholes, bulldust. You know, six, eight inches deep. and No one can ride. I have, it's, it's white man's magic how you're riding that shit, isn't it? I well, can't ride in that shit. Well, the other guys were, were getting through, but I, I got to the stage where I thought that, well, I was holding them up. Dave mm. did stay with me until I finally said, just get out of my sight. Leave me. Save Leave, yourself. Yep. So, of course, when I did drop the bike, and I dropped it a few times, I had to unpack the whole all the panniers to get the bike back up on its oh, uh, side stand. Is it hot? Hot, oh hot and windy, tiring. and tiring. So you you do that and you strap everything back on the bike, which you know it could take you fifteen twenty minutes to Only do that. To do it again. To do it again in half an hour or fifteen minutes. Yeah. And I did ride into one of the um, little Gur settlements, the yurts, mm. the um, where, those round those round huts with the canvasy yep, stuff. Yep, yep, yep. They're spread out all over the plains of Mongolia, little groups of them, some with shops. When I got there, I was um, just, I was done. I, um, yeah, you had enough. I'd had enough. And I um, made the very hard decision of uh, throwing the bike in the back of a, a truck well, to take I me to the town. Well, i story, and we do pull the piss out of you, but I remember you always telling me that you, the, the thing that annoyed you most was you felt like you were affecting the group by doing it. You know, but yeah. you didn't want to feel like you're, I'm slumping. And once that's in your head, I imagine, yep. your confidence goes to the shit house. It does, yeah. The whole thing turns a bit to shit. So you've, I reckon you made the right call. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, look, I, I'd love to do it again and prove that I could get through, but... Um, Mate, you did it, what, at 22,000 Ks, how many didn't you do? Oh, a couple of hundred. Yeah. Well, yeah. Relaxed. Yep. And, you know, I got back on the bike again and... We rode out of Mongolia. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, it was a bit... It was stressful. It was a little bit soft. I, 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 no, I didn't want to bring it up. No, no, no. It was, it was a bit soft. And it has I, come uh, up, hasn't it? It has come up, yeah. But I, I don't like giving in. That's, no, that's another no, side of it. Old lacrosse player. Old lacrosse player. We don't give in. We just... Press on. Go harder. Yeah. Well, I would have done the same thing. I think that... Uh, uh, you know, 
22,000 k's, a couple of hundred, you, you can be forgiven. And Grant, who does tease you in this area, hasn't done much. No. I'm not, you know, I like, don't get me wrong, I do like him. He's not a bad bloke. He's a reasonable bloke. About as good as I'm going to do, you know, as a mate. But there's only, you know, there's only so much you can sort of pull when you me. You and him. Um, but uh, he's a pretty quick to throw around the criticism uh, in regard to this. He is, yeah. But I, do, are you all right with it? I'm fine with I it because see a bit furrowed brow on it. No, no, no. He um, he he was supposed to do the trip with us. Well, there was talk. He was yeah. the one that told me about it. Yeah, and he was going to be the road captain. Was he? Yes. Leader kind of thing. Yes, and even though he didn't do the trip, he still considers he was the the road captain for that trip. Well, I've, you're right. I've sat around a fire and with you and people, and the people that were on the trip, and you take a back seat because you weren't there. I was at Rosebud and the, the three man tent for my holidays, and uh, all of a sudden Grant starts telling me about the trip, mm. like he was fucking there, and I have to think to myself, well, you weren't there. How do you know? You know what went on, and, and he interrupts you to tell you all about this trip across that never happened. Now he is going to arrive at the point where he believes he went. I'm sure he does. He's not far off. No, because he's a couple short, and uh, he's actually he's going to be. Tell, I can see him sitting on the front steps of the nursing home, explaining how he went across Mongolia, and didn't put his bike in the truck. We have discussed it the f- four of us that have done the trip and if Grant had have come on the trip I think we'd still be in Athens yeah. <laughs> well he's not renowned for his navigation no skills, is he? no and he can fuck around for Australia oh if it was Olympic sport gold medalist gold medalist he yes. opened the batting and the bowling wouldn't he and he could umpire the game he I, I can remember times with Grant now we're getting a bit off the off the track but that doesn't matter he said he we used to go for long rides together. We you know we've all ridden a few k's together, and, and many times he'd say, "Come over to my place in the morning." Well, somebody always had to go to his place. You ever notice that? No yep. matter where you're going, like I live in Ocean Grove, we could be going to Robe or Adelaide. I'd have to go to his place in Melbourne before we go. And so you do that. And he says, "I'll make you an egg and bacon roll. We'll set off early, and off we'll go." Well, you get there seven-ish. I like to hit the road about seven. I think that's a reasonable time. He's in his friggin' pyjamas still. He's walking around in diminishing circles. He delivers you of this horrible egg and bacon booty that you you push down your gullet. And about, what would you say, 11 o'clock he set off? Yep. About 11 o'clock? Yep. By the time he's rooted around, then he wants to stop for lunch. And, of course, you Bottle know, of red. Bottle of red. And you arrive uh, about 9 o'clock that night. And it can be 300k ride. Has this happened to you? I just spent three weeks in Vietnam with him. Oh, well. So what do you reckon? Yeah, now tell me. Now, just to paint the scene there, um, Grant now lives in Vietnam and um, uh, Paul and uh, three others. Yes. Jeff Happy Gilman and... uh, Dave Moss, a mate of mine. Dave Moss decided to do a three-week ride from uh, Ho Chi Minh, wasn't it? Right up to China. Chinese border and then back to Hanoi. Sapa and all that. So beautiful, yeah. magnificent country. Um, now, tell me about the on-road dynamic with Grant. 
because Grant lives up there and he knows everything. Grant had the. <laughs> He's gonna love this. <laughs> Grant had the. <laughs> Grant had a, a plan of a uh, another guy who had done a very similar trip to us, mm. and he had it printed out and it listed all the good places to stay, good little restaurants where we can get fuel. So he's made a bit of an effort. I told him about it. He printed it out. Oh, right. I see. Oh, you, so you, all he did was print it. He printed it out. Right. But unfortunately, none of us brought a copy with us. Oh. So he had the only copy of... Oh, he was in charge and, of the map. So, and he wouldn't show anyone else, if Is you know. Right? Oh, yeah, he's very secretive about it. But... And it was all his idea. <laughs> and, uh, and we had two GPSs with us. Right. He can overcome GPS. He, he did. There's not a GPS on the planet can beat Grant. We got lost twice a day, every day. Yeah. And sometimes Grant was in front getting us lost, or sometimes he'd be at the back just on purpose so we'd get lost. But when you discuss this over, you know, over a pork dinner, which is the plenty of pork dinners over there, and a, and a red wine, did he ever sort of accept any blame for, or did he still consider himself the captain of the ship? Captain of the ship. Yeah, yeah. Has he ever? He's never been wrong. He's never been wrong. Never. He once took me 300 kilometres out of my way on a 900k day. So I did 1,200 rather than 900. And he ran me out of fuel. And five other blokes. Now... Uh, Vietnam for three weeks with Grant in charge. I don't think I could do it. It was great. It was fantastic. He had a good time. Didn't it was a great time. And Jeff Happy Gilman. Happy Gilman had a great time he too. He loved it, didn't he? He did. He um, he never thought he'd go there, and it was just what we what, had some what spare. Made him decide to go. Was there a whim or we had some sp- spare spots, I guess. Yeah, because a lot. Like most of these trips, lots of people put their hand up, oh, but when the time comes, yeah, couldn't do it. You can't find them; they go, they go wanting. Yeah, yeah. It's a known phenomenon, isn't it? It is. And so, um, I mentioned to Jeff what he wanted to do it, and he just jumped at it. And uh, another guy off the the yacht that I race on, who hadn't ridden much before, came with us. And uh, well, he was slow and hopeless, wasn't he? Well. He why'd rode. You, why'd you look at the microphone when I said? Because <laughs> he might listen to it. Um, he uh, don't be soft. He rode well within his safety parameters. Well, he he got better. He, tried hard, he got better, he? and he didn't want to be a burden. Did he? He didn't crash. Didn't crash. Didn't cause us any problem. Right. Unlike Grant. Grant didn't crash either. It was Peter oh, Hickey. It was Peter Hickey that crashed a few times. He's probably the best rider. He was. He teaches riding. So, um, go figure. Go figure. Um, but no, look, it was a fantastic trip. We followed the hoach. It was it was bugger all. The bikes for three weeks was a total of three hundred US dollars, and that included shipping the bikes from Hanoi down to Ho Chi Minh. Three hundred dollars per bike. Per bike for three weeks. For three weeks, including shipping. Including shipping. It's a joke, isn't it? The um, airfares I got for about seven fifty. So we're talking... Well, not... you are fastidious when you look up an airfare, I've noticed. I don't want to waste money on airfares. No, no, you're not a... Someone said you turn the gas off or you turn the bacon over, but I think that was rude. It is rude. It is rude. It is rude. No, I I actually flew up on 
um, Malaysian Air. So I actually... Why would I give a shit what your plane was? Well, the other guys were flying sort of... Is this... What point is it? Why do I care about that? I paid top fare. Oh, okay. I, see. I paid oh, a good fare. Yeah, yeah. Other guys got cheaper, but they had 12 stops to get there. Very tight-ass airlines. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So um, so basically, just over 1000 or $1,200 for the bikes and That's airfares, joking. and it was costing us about... Forty to fifty dollars a day You'd be flat for out expenses. Fifty dollars a day, wouldn't you? We drank a bit, hmm. even though it's very so cheap. It's about Twelve dollars on accommodation. Yep. Eight dollars on fuel. Yep. And the rest on grog. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But honestly, forty, forty or fifty bucks—that you're you live like a king. Exactly. It was great over there. Yep. Yes. Now, do you think in Vietnam, um, uh, when I was there, I was torn between enjoying how budget budgetary uh you know how soft it is on your budget but also I, I was mindful of not exploiting i can remember thinking the part of me was thinking the reason these people this is so cheap is because they live so frugally yet um they live well don't they they're happy um they're probably the happiest people I've ever struck Vietnamese person. They're very content, I think. Content's they, a good word. Content, yep. I think, um, look, they do it hard. I, oh, they do. They work. They just work so long and so hard, yeah. uh, particularly the uh, the farming community. Mm. Uh, they're out at six in the morning and they're not in until dark. Yep, they work hard and they, they, they carry their stuff on their backs or... Overload their scooters, yeah, which yeah. is always scooters. My God, traffic! It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you once could, you could get hurt over there if you want. Oh, you got to be careful. You could get very hurt. It's um, yeah. scooters are sort of in the rankings just above pedestrians. Yes. So it goes sort of buses are probably the worst. Yeah. Large trucks. Yep. Yeah. Small vans. And there's no rules. There's no rules. Well, the rule is that if you're in front, you got right away. Yeah. It's incredible how it works. Yep. If it's you're like in, a river. It's amazing. Yep. If you come in from the side street, as long as you're going to get into that main flow before the cars, bikes, or trucks behind you, mm. they must give way to you. Mm. It's, it's scary. And I never saw road rage when I was there. No, they, they bip their horns a lot. Well, the horn is not a uh, um, signal of anger. No. There, it's it's, it's, telling you, it's here. here I am. I noticed that, and I noticed a couple of times where people ran into each other softly in um, in town, and they help each other up, and it's like, uh, I, I imagine if you had road rage in a place like that, you'd, people would be killing each other every day, wouldn't they? They would. Because it's, it's just madness. But it works, and it's part of their mentality, I reckon, which is very uh, attractive. Mm. You know, get along, make it work. Um, we can learn a lot from those people, I reckon. We can learn a lot from a lot of people. Well, that brings me to, um, now we've just, yesterday, w- w- the American election happened. And uh, I think everyone's a little bit shell-shocked that um, the big orange um, fellow seems to have got the gig. Um, what's your general take on all that? I I wasn't sure who I wanted to win. I Honestly, I, I disliked I, I disliked both of them. Yeah. I dislike Hillary. Um, I've done some a bit of research and reading about what she's about, and I think she's not a a nice person. Um, oh, tell me, people keep telling me that. Why? You think she's a 
you know, she's hawkish or... Oh, she's definitely hawkish. And I think there's less chance now with Trump being in of... Conflict. Any nasty conflicts. I think he will push China a bit, which Mm. I don't think is a a great idea. Mm. Um, He's going to have to be controlled by his advisors. I think he's... um, I heard someone say that he's he's going to outsource most of his decisions. And I think that's... Smart people do. Yep. So hopefully he won't uh, bring in all the um, things that he's promised, but he's got to bring in some, otherwise... The believers will drop off. They'll they'll drop off very quickly. Um, Strangely enough, he's... He's picked the people that he's picked up in this election, in an Australian context, are the Labor voters. Yeah. He's and he's polarised the, the yes, Republicans. And yeah, he's picked up disenfranchised he's Democrats. Picked up the working people and the unionists. Mm. Uh, that the Republicans never would have seen. No, he's in fact he's changed the Republican Party forever. Mm. Whereas I used to be super conservative. Mm. Now I think they'll become the um, centrists. The centrists, yes, whereas the Democrats were either the very rich Mm. or the very poor who were on Mm. um, food stamps Mm. or whatever. So Relying on hopefully some some degree of social policy. Yes, exactly. So, look, things will pan out over the next, as people say, the sun came up this morning. Mm. Um, I went out and grabbed a couple of people by the pussy, but... Well, because apparently that's all right. That's now. all right now. Yeah, you can do that if you want to. Well, I think the fact that we've got a a pre- well, they have we haven't got the president, but the Americans have now got a president who uh, thinks climate change is just a, a Chinese hoax. Yeah. And the VP, mm-hmm. um, Republican science, he says he believes um, he's Creation. a religious. He's a religious nut. Yeah, creationist. creationist. So he said this morning on the radio or the television that he wanted to, people to become aware of Republican science. So there's a couple of different sciences. Good. Uh, there's your Republican science, and there's your Democrat science. Uh, I don't think anyone's informed the scientists of this, but uh, apparently that means that you know um, the huge joke that global warming is and uh, evolution's got you know, the evolution the theory of evolution's got major holes in it. Now, how that manifests in a world that really does need science as its basis is going to be interesting, isn't it? Look, I don't know where it's going to go. I think um, Hillary got more votes. She got the popular vote. She got the young vote. Well, she got more people voting for her than... It worked out she actually had... Not by much. More heads. More heads, yep. Yeah, that means shit, though, doesn't it, really? At the end of the day, yeah. you know, it's, you're not in. Have a look at the newspaper and see yep. who's in. Um but look, the bottom line of the whole thing is um, I can't believe to some extent that we're talking about Donald Trump, President Donald Trump. It just doesn't roll off my tongue. No. Having said that, we had Reagan, who they loved. And I... Th- dumb as dog shit. Well, I think with Trump, it's, it's, a, it's the same thing again. They want a, a father figure who's going to help them all mm. and uh, promise them what they want to hear. Mm. Make America great again, because mm. um, certainly America at the moment is is such a, a land of contrasts. I was there a few years ago, and you know some parts are very wealthy, and places like San Francisco now are there's people living in cardboard boxes on every corner. It's just it's unbelievable. Haves and have not exactly. 
Well, I can't see him changing that overnight. Nope. Um, I'm positive he's not going to change that overnight. Um, having said that, uh, the, I, I don't know whether the bloke's an idiot or not. I, I thought he was, when I'm thinking maybe he's not an idiot. An idiot doesn't get that far, does he? No, he doesn't. And his um, his speech that he made last night didn't sound like the crazy guy who was... Different man. Different man altogether. Sitting, you, know, you and I both know that was written by someone that said that's what we've got to do. But even his, his hand gestures and his expressions were different. Now, maybe he was just tired. But Oh, no, I agree. Other people have said that. And yep. There was a... There was a degree of statesman there mm. that we hadn't seen. In fact, had we seen that a little earlier, um, that might have appealed a bit more, certainly to... Well, he doesn't have to appeal to me, I suppose, or you. No. doesn't give a shit about us. But uh, illegal abortion? I mean, the stuff, the, the moves that we have made moving forward, Obamacare. Yep. Um, he's vowed to rescind that. Well, how do you go if you, you've got no money and a sick kid? I think it's going to affect about 20 million people find themselves uninsured. Well, that's amazing. It's, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Mm. So, look, time will tell. And by, look, this podcast will be on the street in a couple of days. So um, not much will have changed between now and the inauguration, I would have think. Oh, I would have thought. He'll just shut up, won't he? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. But uh, the, the misogyny is an issue, isn't it? Oh. It's a, he was pretty disgraceful. I think he's um, he's a strange man. He's he's a sexual predator. Yeah, he's he's had no boundaries. That's the problem with him. Ultimate power corrupt, corrupts ultimately. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. If you've got plenty of money and people working for you, they'll tell you what you want to hear. All right, well, we'll watch what happens there. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and uh, this is... It's brought up a couple of blues between you and I, and uh, you know I know you're looking at me, waiting for me to see. I'm setting some sort of trap. I mean, people get on this podcast and they think I'm going to trap them. Now, Paul played lacrosse for Altona and Footscray uh, years ago. MCC, and Williamstown. MCC, Williamstown. He was a, basically a bit of a lacrosse hall. You know, wherever they needed uh, a big, long, stringy, half ranger, bloody elbowy type, Paul would turn up. Now, I played many years of lacrosse myself in the same area, Williamstown and Footscray, and Paul was a bit older than me, um, but we crossed paths with many of the same people, didn't we? Most definitely. And you're a, lot of, you're a willy boy, and yep. I'm a willy boy. So Paul and I have got a bit of an affinity, and I think it's part of the reason I put up with him. He considered he was a backman now in lacrosse. The backmen were the blokes that you just sort of, you know, you got to put them somewhere. You know, they've turned up and they've paid their fees, so... We'll bang them on the back line. They're sort of blokes without any talent, really, wasn't it? The back line. Is that your take on it, Paul? No, no. They were. The, How do you see it? They were the thinking, the thinking players. The thinking. The ones defenders. who had to thinking defenders. And uh, what sort of special skill would they bring to the to the table? Speed, ball handling, the usual well, things. Definitely ball handling. I'm sure of that with most most of the backmen I've played against. Generally slow, dim-witted. No, not me. No, well, lightning, sort of a... lightning fast. I was more of more of a defence well, midi a rangy, almost. You're a rangy type. You never would have carried a lot of weight. Would no, you? that no. was my problem. I should have carried a bit more back a bit then. More weight. Yeah. But I remember 
your reputation precedes you in regard to lacrosse because I think you had a stick about 12 feet long, didn't you? No, I never play with a really long stick. I play with a defence midi stick. Did you? Yeah. Because of your speed. Because of my speed. I thought the um, the long sticks were a bit pretentious, a bit... Well, it made it hard as a, as a nippy forward. You had to run about 12 feet the other way to get round the big bastard. I know, I didn't like that. But I, I played a lot of backmen, and, and honestly, they were pretty stupid. Like You could tease them, you could say things. They were they were really quite uh, primitive. So you're saying you're, you brought something else? Because I, I reckon I would have thrown about 12 goals. Oh, I'm playing on you. No, you wouldn't have. I, I, I was so nippy, so quick. You would have been, you would have gone, where is that little prick? Oh, there he is, he's gone again. I was always put on the uh, the goal scorer, the main goal scorer, just to cut them out of the game. So you got the best forwards? Always. Now, there was talk that you were a bit, you could be physical oh, in a game. I could be. Talk, talk, talk me through that. So what were some of your moves? No, I just, I just played it very seriously. My job was to stop that guy scoring or getting the ball and... Uh, and if you put him in pain along the way, that was all right. As Half well. of the course, collateral damage. Yeah, my pre-check was known throughout the game. Was it? Yep. I reckon you would have been a poke checker too. Yep. Yeah, poke checker. You would have. But dropped, I was fast. Drop the shoulder into the back of the year old, and did you talk to your opponent, mate? Just a bit. What did you sort? Of, what, what would you? What, if we you and I lined up, what could I expect? I'd shake your hand. We'd shake hands in our Cooper gloves. Yep. Um, you know, play the game like men, and what would you... Generally, I wouldn't speak to you. I'd speak to my other defence players about just how bad you were. So have a look at this bit. Yeah, exactly. Would you? Uh, yeah. Who's this prick? And Frosty would just, you know, he'd, he'd fire back as, you know, we'd have a good good discussion about how how puny you were. Which arm will we break on this little... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you heard that great story about Wayne Carey who sent the runner, uh, sent the one of the uh, trainers, to get a footy record. And he said, why do you want that? And he said, he looked at his opponent, he said, I want to know who this prick is. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> so uh, I reckon you would have been an arrogant type, but uh, no, look, I was a very good lacrosse player. And uh, over, uh, since... Uh, and you, I've got better since. And got better since you stopped playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a shame that we didn't... Um, you were just a bit before me, weren't you? Just a bit. Did you play down at the hat and all Yep. God, it was, you, play, you were throwing uphill or downhill on that ground, weren't you? Yes. And the ball used to go in the water. You'd have to, <laughs> like, you'd have to dig around, go climbing out in the rocks to get the ball back. Well, back in my day, there was the upper hat and the lower hat. Was there? Was there was the a, upper hat? Well, above the lower hat. Does that make so sense, doesn't it? That, yeah. Well, there wasn't room for two, two uh, grounds there. I'm talking down beyond the Anglers Club. Yes, probably. that's the lower hat. Yeah. And the higher area to the... Towards the football ground, there was a ground up there. It was bad. On the that was the ferron. No, the ferron's over the road. Yeah, going oh, along the water's edge. Oh, there's the rotunda up there. You're going the other way. Oh, you're going the other towards yeah, the footy. Towards ground. the footy ground. I did say that. Well, that was fucking bushland. Yes, but it used to be. They hacked it down, and it was. She's a pretty ordinary work day. They were you shocking. Look at what the kids play on <laughs> now. They're like bloody billiard tables. Christ, they were rough. But it was good, wasn't it? It the was great. Those were great. Willie was a lacrosse town, wasn't it? Yeah, my my first number uh, was one hundred and fourteen. That's right. <laughs> seventy six. I had, which I thought was all right. Yeah, well, I was one hundred and fourteen. Yeah, uh, we always had high numbers because they num- they numbered you from junior to senior, didn't they? Yep. Uh, but Williamstown, it was like uh, 
was probably them. Uh, Malvern and Willie were probably the two strongest uh, lacrosse areas, Certainly. weren't they? If you played Malvern Blacks, you knew you'd had a game. Yep. That ground up the back of uh, the Malvern Town Hall. Yep. That's still there. And it's freezing. And... Are they still there? They still play there. Yep. So you still follow the lacrosse to some extent? I try and get to a grand final every year. I try and get to a game down at Altona. But Has the game changed a lot? It's faster. It's probably more skillful, but it lacks a bit of that physical. Mongrel. Yeah, lacks yeah. a bit of mongrel now because, um, well, the players are. You're not allowed to belt the shit out of each other. No, you're not. All uh, I remember is you, the left hand. If you're on a right-handed player, it's the minute that left hand came off the stick, you're allowed to hit it. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. You just go and hit a bloke straight and as hard as you like. I remember going to lacrosse angry and coming home not. If you if you couldn't get your uh, aggression out on a lacrosse field, you you you're never gonna. And look, it was fair aggression too because you really couldn't get hurt apart from a few bruises on the arms. Yeah, yeah. you got the odd whack. Yep. Yeah, look, it was, fast, it was fastest going on two feet. Remember? They Certainly. It that, and it was. But back then, there were people that knew lacrosse, and then the average Jack didn't know what you're talking about, did they? No. You had to be involved, sort of thing. Well. A lot of people thought lacrosse was that girls' game they played at St Trinian's. Did they? Is that right? Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that about lacrosse. It is not a girls' game. No. It is not a girls' game. It's a, a, Well, it started out as violence, didn't it? It was war. It was. The Iroquois and... The Mohawks. Canadian and, Indians yeah. and stuff. I shouldn't say Indians, Canadian natives. Um, well, anyway, it was a, it was a, a rock covered in hide... And they'd, they'd play a game of lacrosse instead of having a war. Yeah. So, and the games could go for three or four days and the goals be a couple of miles apart. And someone won. What a civilised, yeah. sensible way that we should bring that back in, I reckon. I think the original name for lacrosse with the Indians, or one tribe in particular, was, was Bagataway, is the name of lacrosse, yeah. which meant little war. Oh, okay. So that's what the word meant. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. And lacrosse—that's that, the stick, isn't it? Yes, it looked like a bit like a bishop's oh, cross. cross yes, it, they thought it looked like a bishop's cross. Oh, okay. The shape. So um, that's how they, and it's a French, obviously, lacrosse. Yeah. Why was it French? Because it's good. Well, Canadian, French Canadian. The French were in that part of Canada. Oh, I see. First. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's the Montreal kind of area. Yep. Montreal. Oh God, I nearly came to me. Windsor Warlocks and all that. They had box lacrosse yes. up there. And you played a bit of box lacrosse, didn't you? I did a little bit. but I loved uh, box lacrosse. It was great. If you're a small boat, box lacrosse yeah. was great. I probably wasn't fast enough for box lacrosse, or perhaps I didn't have the the fine racket skills that you've got. Um, did you, can you say that again? Did you? I, did, I thought you... I thought there was a compliment in there. No, I, I... The fine racket skills that I possessed. Well, that you say you possessed. What I, do you mean I say I possessed? It's all on the internet. Have a look. Put it up. Look up. I, um... Rick Leach Superstar. It comes up. I'm speechless. Fuck, there's a change. <laughs> all right, well, it's been a pleasure, Paul. Absolute pleasure. I knew it would be. And we've shared a few things together and uh, some uh, many, uh, many red wines and some road miles and a, a lacrosse ground some stage, I'm sure you were probably uh, you know, staggering off the ground as I ran out of fit young man at some point. We probably played against each other because yeah, I, I did play that. until I was 40. So Did you? Yeah. Jesus. 
40. That's a very fit that's 40. A, yeah, that's a physical game for a 40-year-old. And playing state league at 40. Really? Ain't they? That's when I broke my leg, and that sort of brought it to a... Well, a 40-year-old with a broken leg. It's not good. Yeah, you don't yeah. bounce back. No. Anyway, I'm not going to suck up anymore. Um, you're a reasonable bloke. Thanks very much. Um, uh, a little bit boring. I'll probably take yeah. a fair bit of it out. You need um, to. And uh, uh, I'll make something of it. Sure. You Thanks. can come back and just over, overdub it. Do oh, it. Yeah. Do what you want with it. I, I do want you to know that Grant Roth is our next guest too, so he gets to go back. And I'm I not... don't think he'll be as restrained as you. No. Do you think he'll? No, no. He, he... He's, known, he's actually known to hold back, isn't he? Grant, you know? Grant lies when the truth would suffice. He does. It's pathological. It is. It? It's that Catholic in him. Yes. He did train as a priest, as you know. Failed, failed, priest. failed priest. Well, Christ, can you imagine? <laughs> He'd be the one doing the confession, wouldn't he? The person would come in, say, "Grant, say, look, I've got a few things to get off my chest." Anyway, fuck off. You're boring me now. Yep. Paul Newbold, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye. So there you have it, uh, Paul Newbold. What a what a great fella. Um, lots of fun. Uh, podcast three, that is. Don't forget. Get along to uh, iTunes. Get involved. Uh, SoundCloud, of course. Um, and uh, please give us a share uh, on Facebook and give us a rating on iTunes. Um, and yeah, it's uh, been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll have a guest next week. Uh, and yeah, share it away here because. Um, yeah, it's fun, and uh, if someone's listening, it's even more fun. See you guys next week.